You're listening to the King's Oahu podcast. We hope today you're inspired, your faith is built up, and that you're encouraged by today's word. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, is The Seven Seals. I want to deal with the seven seals this morning. And we see through Revelation 5, 1 through 10, some profound revelations of the foundation of the authority of Jesus Christ. We see two significant symbolisms, the scroll, which symbolizes a decree. When kings or judges or rulers would make a decree that would apply to the entire nation, they would send forth these decrees, and there's two things that would happen. The decree would be sent forth by an authority or a power or a ruler, but it would be decreed and declared, and that person that decreed and declared it carried the authority and the power of he who sent the word. Can I tell you, every time we declare the word of God, you are sending forth, you are speaking forth, you are declaring forth the authority and the power of God. That's why the gospel has to be preached. Because everywhere the gospel is preached, the power and the authority of God is being made manifest in that place. So the first thing we see is the scroll which symbolizes a decree. It is God's decree. It's not a decree from an earthly king, but the godly king. But secondly, the second symbol we see is the seals. And the seals symbolize authority. What's interesting is here in this moment, the Roman government is the highest government, the the strongest government in society in the world at that time. And of course, John was a part, John, who is the writer of the book of Revelation, was a part of that government. He He had first hand experience with the Roman government and we see this parallel between the greatest earthly government which was Rome and the government of heaven. We see a challenge. There's a conflict of this earthly government and the heavenly government. But this is what's amazing. As we see in this passage, not even the greatest government on earth could break the seal. It didn't didn't matter about their earthly authority. Yet, listen to this, yet Jesus, whom the greatest, the greatest government on earth, the Roman government, actually killed Jesus. He was the only one able to open the seals. That means Jesus is the carrier of all authority and all power and all dominion. Something that's very unique, and this actually shocked me as I was doing a deep dive in understanding the seals and the scrolls. A very unique comparison of a Roman citizen, and, and to be a Roman citizen in the Roman government. To be a citizen of Rome was actually one of the greatest statuses in society. There's a moment where Paul the Apostle was preaching, and uh, they captured him, and they beat the tar out of him, and there was a problem. Because he was a Roman citizen. And they weren't allowed to touch him. And so they had to go back there and apologize. They had to pay all this. I mean, it was was a horrible situation for them. Because what they did is they touched a Roman citizen. The Roman citizenship was one of the highest statuses in society. When you're a Roman citizen, that citizenship was awarded by a scroll with seven seals on it. When you became a Roman citizen, that citizenship was awarded 
by a scroll with seven seals. And those seven seals were sealed by imperial officers. You would also be given metal plates that would validate your citizenship, kind of like a passport. And it would validate, now listen to this, those plates had writing on the front and writing on the back and writing in between, had writing all over it. Now listen to this. Those metal plates would validate your citizenship. And the only person that could open those plates would be someone of high authority or a judge. See, just as citizenship was important to the Romans, the Roman government, we have to understand the citizenship which we've been given. Can I tell you, you are citizens. You are not just citizens of this earth. You are citizens of heaven. You, you have been validated by God. You are citizens of eternity. Come on, somebody. Come on. You, we belong to the kingdom of God. We, not just the kingdoms of this world. We belong to the kingdom of God. My goodness. But we see the challenge. We see an incredible situation. Who would be worthy? Who would be worthy? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? Who is worthy to open the seals? And we see very clearly that Jesus is the only one worthy to open the seals. He is the only one that carries the authority. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, oh, this is so powerful. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Though he was God, speaking of Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor Gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus was given the ultimate authority. There is no greater, let me encourage you right now, there is no greater authority than the name of Jesus. I'm going to say it on this side. There is no greater authority than the name of Jesus. And you say, well, pastor, what about sickness? The name of Jesus has greater authority than sickness. The name of Jesus has greater authority than any authority here on earth. The name of Jesus has greater authority than any authority in hell. There's no demon in hell. Not even Satan himself has greater authority than the name of Jesus. So we see the authority of Jesus. That Jesus is the only one that has the authority to open the scrolls. Not only is he worthy, but we have to understand the heart of Jesus. When we look at the situation here, as Jesus begins to open the scrolls and open the seals, many people will misinterpret what was taking place. Because as we look at these seven seals, all we see is judgment. But you see, John, the writer of Revelation, has even a greater understanding. Because he understands the redemptive, the, the, the redemptive Redemptive is the word, not redemptive. I don't know, redemptive. Anybody know his name? No, just the redemptive qualities of what God is declaring. It wasn't just redemptive, but yes, it was justice. 
we have to understand grace and justice. Two distinct aspects. Two distinct aspects of the seal. Grace and justice. And can I tell you, grace and justice reveals the heart of God. John began to weep. You have to recognize the moment that John was in as he began to see these things unfold. And he begins to weep because he understood if the scroll could not be opened, wickedness would not be judged and wickedness would continue to infect the earth. I need you to hear that. Why did John begin to weep? Because he understood that if wickedness was not judged, it would begin to infect the earth. But the other side of that coin, the other aspect of grace and justice we see very clearly is the grace of God being extended to his people. John understood this is not just a picture of God's wrath upon the earth. But rather it is the longing and the desire. It is seen as the longing and desire to manifest his presence and power amongst his people. Friends, these seals reveal the heart of God to display his love for his children by overcoming wickedness so he can dwell amongst his people uninhibited. Oh, that's the heart of God. The heart of God is not, he's not just full of wrath. I just want to destroy everything. He says, I love my people. That's why God deals so harshly with sin is because he loves you. And sin destroys. So God deals with wickedness, with judgment, but yet he also wants to release his grace upon his people because he desires to dwell with us. So we see the seven seals, and quickly I want to go through these seven seals, the first seal. And many people... Look at the symbolism, and sometimes we get lost in the minutia of these seals and say, Pastor, what is this? What is that? So I just really, really quickly want to build a practical foundation so that you can begin to understand the seals. Now, we see a direct correlation with Matthew 24. A few weeks ago, we talked about Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, which was Jesus' understanding of what would unfold and even the timeline that would unfold in the last days. Jesus in his Olivet Discourse gives us a timeline of events. But what's amazing is if you take Matthew 24 and you take Revelation 6, it lines up. So this is what's awesome. The exact alignment of what Jesus gives in Matthew 24 is seen here in, John, in Revelation 6 as John is giving us a timeline for the events that will unfold. In Revelation 6, 1, as I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. Now we look at this and this is a symbolism. First of all, the rider, the rider is really... The anticipation of the rise of the Antichrist. The rider is the Antichrist. And the white horse is a symbol of peace that the Antichrist will actually ride in on peace. 
People will look and go, oh man, look, our world is full of peace. He will promise peace and he will display peace. He will ride in on a white horse, a symbol of peace, yet in his hand will be a bow, which is a symbol of war. And then he would be wearing a crown, which is a symbol of position and rule. So he would come really into society with this great promise of peace. We'd even experience a season of peace, but it would very quickly turn into war and his rule and dominion. The second seal, Revelation 6, verses 3, says this. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, come. Then another horse appeared, a red horse. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. The red horse is a symbol of mass bloodshed. The sword, a symbol of warfare and battle that there will be no peace on earth. That our entire globe will be filled with war and battle. That there will be mass bloodshed. The third seal in Revelation chapter 6 verse 5, when the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, come. I looked up and saw a black horse and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay and don't waste the olive oil and wine. The black horse is a symbol of famine. That there will be a worldwide famine. The scales are twofold and this is very interesting because we see the positive and the negative concerning scales. It's a representation, of course, of our economy. Throughout history, scales have, are, have always symbolized the economy of a nation. But we see it twofold. Either those scales are scales of honesty and integrity. They symbolize honesty or integrity or greed, dishonesty, and cheating. And there will come a season where this man riding a black horse this symbol of famine will see dishonest gain. There will be cheating and there will be wide, uh, worldwide greed. And friends, we're going to have to live. This is what's promised is that that third seal will have to live in great hardship. There will be a mass recession, not just a recession in the United States, but it will be a worldwide recession. The fourth seal, Revelation 6. Don't get depressed yet. i got to get some good news coming. <laughs> Fourth seal, Revelation chapter 6, verse 7. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animal. The pale green horse symbolizes death. It's a reference to a, a corpse, and what they would see is the color of a, a corpse. It's a pale green horse, which symbolizes death, and it's the name of the rider is death. Can I tell you something? That reveals the intent of the rider. The Bible says that the devil comes to what? Kill, steal, and to destroy. It is that manifestation of death, <laughs> and its companion is the grave. Can I tell you right now? The greatest weapon that the devil thinks he has is the grave. 
the greatest weapon that the devil thinks he has is death because of the finality of it. Symbolizes life being over, but as a believer, can I tell you, the moment death comes, life only begins. Let me give you some good news in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, it says, What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters? Is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what, was, what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, come on somebody, when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. That means we're going to be glorified, somebody. Come on. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Can I tell you something? The greatest weapon of the enemy has been defeated, that God has the power over death, hell. Jesus holds the power over death, hell, and the grave. We have nothing to fear because when we die, we move into this place called eternity with Jesus. We don't have to be dismayed. We don't have to be afraid. We have nothing for fear for the believer death is not the ending it is just the beginning Woo! come on you guys are getting me excited in this place preaching on a Sunday morning see there's good news that no matter what horsemen of the apocalypse the devil tries to bring out of hell our God is greater and the strongest weapons of the enemy we are victorious over. We have victory. Come on, as believers, we have the victory. The fifth seal in Revelation chapter 6. Oh, this is good. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe, oh, this is good. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus who were to be martyred, had joined them. What's amazing is seeing this incredible transition, the first four seals, they're directed at earth. And then all of a sudden, there's this incredible transition that happens. Now John begins to see heaven. And he begins to see the glory of God. And this moment is taking place, not on earth, but in heaven. I tell you, this is what's so profound. The fifth seal is the blessings of God on his believers, on his children. Throughout scripture, we see very clearly that white robes symbolize something so significant 
White robes symbolize redemption and purity. But white robes are also associated with the bride and the bridegroom. White robes are the garbs of marriage. See, what's amazing is this moment, this moment when the fifth seal is broken and we see, John sees this picture of the martyrs, those who had lost their lives for the name of Jesus that, that did, did not give in to the lies of the enemy, that did not lose the gift which is, was given to them by God, by our Savior, those who remained steadfast, those who did not quit in their faith, those who endured. We see two things were released to the children of God. Number one, the blessings of God. The blessings of the Lord are going to come upon his children. But can I tell you, not only is it a symbol of blessing, it is a symbol of belonging. That we belong to him. Friends, we belong to Jesus. Parents, every parent in this house, you know what it is to have a child. Every child here, the love that you have parents for your children, but for every child, the understanding of what it is to belong, that my confidence is found in him. We have confidence because we are his kids. Somebody here needs to hear this. You are the child of the most high God. You belong to him. He cares for you. He loves you. He's not a neglectful father. He is a good, good father. And he loves you. And he knows how to give good gifts to his children. You are a child of God. You belong to him. God does not neglect that which belongs to him. But he cares for it greatly. He cares for you. He loves you. He's going to honor you. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. Please understand this. Friends, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We have his authority. We have his power. Oh, man. We've been clothed with righteousness. But we see the sixth seal, which is really the final seal. We have the seventh seal, but the seventh seal opens up for the first trumpet. And the sixth seal, as we see here in Revelation 6, verse 12, as I bring this message to a close. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places, except for Hawaii, just making sure, you know, just revival islands. <laughs> then everyone, the kings, listen to this, then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits. Now listen to this. You need to hear this. This is a people. This is a people that are acknowledging 
God's existence, that they know what has come. They know what is upon them. They're actually acknowledging that there is a God fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to survive? We see the most powerful people, number one, running and hiding. This is indicative of something very interesting that happened from the very beginning of time. That our, in, our innate sense of the human flesh, the depravity of men, is any time we find ourselves in sin, we don't run to God, we run away from him. We hide ourselves. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves, tried to cover their nakedness, tried to hide from God. And we see here is a people that hold all the power, hold all the wealth of the world, and their world becomes shaken. And we see their response when their world becomes shaken to hide from God, to retreat from God. They even hurl curses upon themselves, wishing the mountains to fall upon them to hide themselves. We see as the sixth seal is open that there will be natural disasters. But friends, we see the response of the people. One, they hide themselves in caves and mountains. Friends, this is a picture of our complete depravity. That we choose not to repent. Even though they acknowledge that there is a God can I tell you, people, people don't repent, not because they don't believe in God. They don't repent because they don't want to repent. They don't want to yield to God. And here it is very clear that there is a God in heaven. There is no doubt in their mind that there is a God in heaven, but yet they still choose not to repent. This is such a clear picture of the human condition. A clear picture of not even just the world's condition, but friends, even in the church. Moments when we're stuck in sin, moments in our mistakes, in our failures, moments when our whole world is shaken. What is our response? Do we curse God? Even in our acknowledgement, do we curse God or do we repent and return to him? And I believe that God is speaking to the church today. Will you be a people that return to him? When your world is shaken, will you not hide from him? Will you turn to him? This world will come to a point of disaster. Friends, we're only dealing with the seven seals. We're not even dealing with the seven trumpets. Friends, we've got to come to a point of repentance before the Lord, we have to remain humble before him. The greatest sin that we can give into in our lives is a pride that says we don't need God. Even, even in our acknowledgement, friends, we're talking about even in the church. There are people in the church that acknowledge the existence of God, but we don't need him. We hide ourselves from him. Oh, pastor, I'm in church. That's fine. I love the fact that you're in church, but when your world is shaken, where are you? At a taste of the last times. 
We had a taste of the end of times. People were mandated to be in certain places. People's worlds were shaken. Just here in Hawaii today, not just here in Hawaii, but around the world, can I tell you how many pastors that I've met with, that churches have been shut down because people ran to caves and people ran to other hiding places instead of the greatest hiding place called Jesus. And we have to be a people that change our default setting. I'm going to hide myself in Jesus. <laughs> hide myself in him because he loves me. He's a God full of grace. He's a God full of mercy. And even though we will see the judgment and the wrath of God made manifest here on earth, cannot tell you there's going to be a Goshen for the people of God. You say, Pastor, what is a Goshen? A Goshen is the the abiding place of the children of Israel that as the plagues were hitting Egypt, the children of Israel were safe. The children of Israel were protected. Even though judgment is going to fall upon this earth, there is a people called the people of God, a people called the children of God that will hide themselves in him, that will not only be protected, but they will carry authority, they will carry power, and they will carry the spirit of God. I want everybody right now to stand to your feet. Come on. The whole point of this message today was number one, to dispel fear. Friends, you have nothing to fear. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy anymore. Can I tell you the greatest weapon that this world has is fear. Fear mongering, can I tell you, has controlled this world. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, Realize that those are the beginning of the birth pains. Isn't this interesting? That what we hear can actually determine what we see. I'm going to say that one more time so you can get that in your spirit. Isn't it interesting that what we hear can actually determine what we see? We become so prone to fear. But this morning, if I can build faith in you, this morning, if I can put a confidence in you that you are a child of the Most High God, the very one that opened up the seals, that has the authority to open up the seals, is the very God, is the very King of kings and Lord of lords, is the very creator of heaven and earth that is on your side, that is for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Can I tell you, I've seen a lot of things happen. There's a lot of people running in fear right now. Well, if this person becomes this and this person becomes that, if this has, stop, 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 stop. I don't put my confidence on who's president. I don't put my confidence in the economy. I put my confidence in the opener of the seals. I put my confidence in Jesus. So this is the thing. It doesn't change where I hide myself. It doesn't change my position. It doesn't manifest as fear in my life because I am confident in him. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. 
And for more great content, go to kcoahu.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.